0: You are listening to From So Brighty to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From So Brighty to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. And as always, I know I am extremely excited for this episode Okay, a couple little rundowns of things I've been discussing over the last few weeks. Um, not officially been accepted into GCU, Grand Canyon University, for my master's in psychology so that I can become a licensed professional counselor, but that is well on its way. I have turned in all the paperwork. I've written all the essays. I've gotten all my reference letters. Everything they have asked me to do, I have done, and my paperwork should end up in front of the admissions board either tomorrow or Friday, and I'm anticipating nothing but glowing reviews. <laughs> I spent, I'm pretty sure, I did not track it minute by minute, but I'm pretty sure I spent well over four hours writing two, two 250-word essays. It was quite a lot of work, mainly because I realized this was for admissions. I do realize that I'm not going to be able to spend that amount of time on every single paper that I write. And I certainly hope that a majority of them are only 250 words. But when you know that your future lies at least partially upon the work that you do in these two essays to get admitted, then yes, I felt a certain amount of excitement. I wouldn't even call it pressure as much as I felt the excitement of what this meant and where this could go and where this will go. And so that's been very exciting. And I just wanted to give you an update on that. And that is not what this episode is about, though, although I will be bringing in All the material that I learned in these classes, I cannot wait to learn it and bring it directly to you all. It's going to be absolutely fantastic uh, because you're going to literally get it straight from the books and from the lectures and then right onto the show. And because it's all online, which I had to choose, really, as I started to look at the ramifications of trying to go into an actual class, I would have just been shoestringed by that entire Process that I've got a lot going on, and, and I like to travel, and I've got speaking gigs, and you know books I'm writing, and there's just so much happening that to say I've always got to be at class on Tuesdays and Thursdays at blank, I just didn't know if I could commit to being there. But I can always commit to being in my office and staying up till whatever hour I need, and that's one of the, of the things that I want to discuss in today's episode is knowing what you are getting yourself into. And again, so many things, I'm not even sure that was a very good segue, but there were so many things that I began to research in this process of getting my master's degree that I really wanted to be able to get answers for things that weren't even necessarily going to be questions until three years from now. But three years from now is whenever I will be getting done with my practicum hours where I'll be doing an internship at a facility here in the Huntsville area. And then I have to go out from there and get two to three thousand hours of supervised um, training where I will actually be meeting with clients and doing all that and then being supervised by it. And then so it's really like overall about a five to six year process. So, because I was mapping my life out to when I was 53, there were a lot of questions that I wanted answered. Even if I didn't need to know the answers now, I wanted to know what I was getting myself into down the road. What might be some things that, if I don't think of now, could be potential barriers to my completion, to my licensure, to being able to move forward as a career being a therapist and also having all these skills I've developed as an NLP master trainer and a master practitioner and being a recovery coach and a life coach and a business consultant. Like I wanted to know how everything was going to fit in so that I could really start to put together where this would take me over the course of my next 20, 25 years of life. Through this, I started to notice that the universe was introducing me to a lot of people contacting me, setting up calls with me, writing me in social media, sending me emails. By the way, if you'd like to send an email from sobriety to recovery at gmail.com. Send me an email. I'm checking that a couple times a week. And if I can get back to you, I absolutely will. If not, I can bring up a topic on the show if there's a question you specifically have. Or of course I will send you my schedule link and you can hop on a 30-minute call with me and we can discuss what's going on in your sobriety and recovery journey. So many people who have been reaching out recently are on the new side. They are either sober curious, they're within their first six months of sobriety and recovery. And so I'm noticing, again, a huge spike in the numbers on the show. So this is telling me that a lot of people are stepping in to their best selves, into their best life and choosing to release the suffering, to release the addiction and move forward uh, with a sober and beautiful recovery-oriented life. So because the universe is bringing this into me, and because I'm getting ready to take on this huge life journey of a master's degree at the ripe old age of 47, it's funny, I get called old and young like five different times by all these different people in one day. And I'm like, still the same age, still the same Jesse Mogul. Maybe I'm a little bit less hair than I used to have. But, you know, we all got to face, you know, mother nature and the time eventually anyways. But I look at all of these amazing things that have been going on and that all these new people are being attracted to the show. And so I started to think, what were some of the things that I figured out very quickly at the beginning of my sobriety and recovery? Because I do recall very vividly And I'm not going to use the word easy, but I am going to very vividly step back into that version of myself on January 13th of 2017 and very much recall the enthusiasm I had for this choice this time. Again, my last, last time was just my last, last time, but it was not my first, last time. I had tried varying degrees of quitting for the whole 22 years that I had been using it was only whenever I woke up in that shit tub covered in my own filth, thinking this is how my friends find me dead, and this is how the story of Jesse Mogul ends, and how ashamed I would be if my parents had found me in that situation, and mind you, they were both dead, um, at least the two parents who raised me. I thought to myself, this is not how the story of Jesse Mogul ends, and a and a switch flipped And the drive I had had for so many years to maintain a buzz and be high and be drunk all the time and just skate by doing whatever I could to just keep the addiction going, all that energy got funneled right over into sobriety and recovery. It absolutely helped that I had Kaiser Permanente and that they had such a structured, well-thought-out program. Monday nights was relapse prevention, and Wednesday nights was alcohol education, and then there was the therapy sessions, and there was the group meetings Monday and Wednesday. Each Friday, I got to celebrate one week of more sobriety. You know, Then here came the the weekend, and I had a certain way of going through each of my weekend days to make sure that I maintained. And it also helped that I did not have football season to contend with, because that was a huge trigger for me. And I set all of these up as much as I could within my control to facilitate the flow of my first six months. So let's discuss today. The things that I had realized rather quickly, whether they were told to me or not, we'll discuss that, but things I learned rather quickly and what I subscribed to, what I joined up for, because it was absolutely imperative that I make sure that these three things I'm going to cover today were the focal points of my early sobriety and recovery. And the very first one was that everything is going to have to change. Everything's going to have to change. Now, when I use the word everything, a lot of people can get gunshot. I'm getting shivers right now. So I know that's my body and the universe telling me I'm going in a good direction here. When I say everything, that can freak some people out. Because they're like, what do you mean everything? I can't quit my job. I can't move my apartment. I can't, you know, sell my house and move somewhere else. I, things have to stay the same. Okay, so let's be very clear. When I say everything is going to have to change, it's that everything in your life is going to have to be up for debate. You are going to want to be evaluating your personal priorities and your values, recognizing areas for growth, improvement, and most importantly, what I want you to take from this sentence, everything is going to have to change, is that you are going to want to look at your life with a fine-tooth comb underneath a microscope. Everything is going to have to change has a lot to do with you. Yes, environment plays a humongous role. If you are going back home to toxic roommates who drink still, or a spouse who yells at you and screams at you, or children who are still disrespecting you, certainly you are going to want to figure out new ways of communication. I highly recommend that that's where a sponsor or a therapist or a psychologist can step in. Even me as a recovery coach does great things as far as helping you figure out new ways of communicating. But when you think about every single area of your life has to be up for debate, you have to be willing to change habits that you think have nothing to do with your addiction, but could still have been leading you toward the using. So let's run this through how how I've been doing it. For those of you new to the show, I talk about three spheres and four pillars a lot. For those of you who have been listening for some time, this is great review. And as much as we can think that, oh, well, I've gotten through the addiction, you know, that's good. So there is no more early things for me, but that's not true because there's going to be massive changes and shifts in your life. You're going to want to make beyond just quitting using that. You can also be running through these three key points. Because the beautiful thing is, back in the day, I remember thinking that the big life goal that the universe had set me upon when I was born was to have a rough childhood, become an addict, and then kick the habit. And then that was it. Like, congratulations, I'm sober, right? Like, where's my parade and where's my statue? But that was really just the beginning. Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. And as much as I wanted to, you know, run around like, you know, uh, Johnny Five from the uh, Short Circuit movie, you know, number five is alive. It was not like the rest of the world was celebrating with me great you're sober now what and so i wanted to start looking at my three spheres my career myself and my relationships and how was i formulating a plan to up level them to to shift them to change them for the betterment of me my inner circle those who loved me those in my environment those in my general world as a whole and so I said, okay, well, what can I physically change? What can I emotionally shift? What can I mentally begin to grow upon? And where can I start to check my spirituality? And we talk about spirituality a lot, but you know how much I like to say that is less to do with religion, if anything at all, to do with religion and more to do with your morals, your ethics, your values, your identity, your opinions, your beliefs, your habits, your standards of your habits. That's what we're talking about with spirituality. Not everything that is spiritual is religious, but all things that are religious are spiritual. So you can be spiritual and have nothing to do with religion whatsoever, and that is obviously something we cover at nauseum on this show. So when I say everything in your life has to be up for debate, you have to be willing to challenge all your established routines and habits. When we talk about shifting to, into new perspectives and ideas and embracing change as a positive force, it is imperative imperative that you realize that it's going to take time. And we'll get more into that a little bit later. But it is this desire for things to happen so fast that can often catch us and and put us into this sort of hiccup backwards. So I always encourage self-reflection, introspection, a growth of awareness. Today, in one of my marketing groups, we were talking about why are people indecisive? And some of the things that came to mind that I was really excited about bringing up, because obviously to me, I talk about this subject all the time, is that some of the reasons why people are so indecisive is because they take their past experiences and they hold those to be the absolute truth over what it is that they're actually able to accomplish moving forward in their life. And I cannot stress to you enough how little what you used to be able to do will actually play a role in what you are now capable of doing. I know that can sound counterintuitive because if you've, you know, got a lot of experience doing, you know, this, that, or the other, you might think, well, I can use those experiences and you can, but it's very important that we do not hang our hat on what we think we can accomplish moving forward based on our previous attempts, especially considering those were often done through an intoxicated mindset. Even if you weren't high the day that you did that thing and it didn't turn out so well, you were still living in your addiction. You were still only a couple days removed from using and only a couple days away from your next use. So you still weren't experiencing that through your absolute 100% best self. Hell, even if you didn't even get addicted until you were 42 and you look back at your 30s and think, man, I made a lot of shit decisions, you were still living in your trauma, you were still living in your shadow self. You are now stepping into a whole new version of yourself. What about your physical body is up for debate? What about your emotions and your mental capacity and your spirituality? Because here's the thing, if you are not willing to literally tear your life apart, to rebuild it stronger, there is going to be a habit or a routine that is going to slip through that is absolutely going to try to convince you that you can go back to the way you used to be. It's going to be that mental gymnastics some bullshit trigger you weren't even expecting as you turn right on some street. And next thing you know, unconsciously, your mind's like, you know, if you take three more lefts and two more rights and you go over that one overpass and down that, by that river where the deer once was, that's where your dealer lives. And next thing you know, you're craving. And you have no idea why. Because you don't may not necessarily remember all those turns, but your brain sure as hell has that muscle memory. You have to be willing to tear it all And I'm not talking about like burning your life down to the foundation. I am just talking about literally tearing apart each little habit, each little routine. Is there a certain way that you always uh, would leave your driveway to walk to the nearest store to buy alcohol? Perhaps you should start turning right rather than left. Is there a way you used to go to work? Then that needs to be up for debate so you don't drive past your favorite liquor stores. Are there people in your life that inherently want to live their life to the fullest? And that might include alcohol and drugs that you need to say, hey, I got to step back for a little while. I'll be back later, but I got to get me taken care of because overall. We can sit here and say, well, this person's happiness or that person's happiness is is more important than mine, but we keep putting other people ahead of ourselves, we're going to keep being in second place. We're going to keep riding shotgun in our own lives. It is imperative that you follow this advice this idea, I won't even call it advice. It's an idea that you make for yourself. And now that I've twaddled on for for about it for like seven minutes, I want to go back and give you a story about where this worked for me. Because when I got sober, I remember reading a ton of stuff and they were like, move all your furniture around and get a new job. And it was all this stuff, you know, like somebody would write in like a, these are 10 things you should do to make sure your sobriety works kind of fucking blog. And you read like, the whole thing, and then you're like, nine of those things are fucking ridiculous. Like, seriously, like, that's the best you got. What did you have? Chat GPT write that for you? Wait, this is 2017. That shit didn't even exist yet. So, who was writing it for you, right? It's like you just Googled a bunch of other blogs and just cut and paste. Like, that's not helpful. I cannot move all my furniture around. There was literally only one place in my bedroom that that bed could fit the couch. It was a huge couch. There was no other place. I wasn't going to toss it to the curb and just sleep on the floor. No. So, what I was starting to do was the shifting and the changing. Was it going to the gym and walking around for three hours because I'd rather be there than in my room? Did I build a stand up desk so that I wouldn't always be sitting at the one in front of my desk where I used to literally break up lines right there and, and snort them off my dirty ass desk and then just get on the computer and dick around for five hours? Or I did I? I did move my TV and there was things that were shiftable. But what I want to stress about this is that for me, it was absolutely diving headfirst into the recovery program, being up there an hour early and sitting in that room and just talking to whoever else came in early, staying late and talking to the therapist, sitting out in the parking lot and talking to other people in new recovery. I made sure that I shifted everything that I could about where my body was at because here's what's very important is that it's not just where you're at it's where your mind is at if your mind is locked inside with itself sitting there with that negative self-talk which has a positive intention but if you're not to the point where you can be self-aware enough to ask yourself what is the positive int- intention behind this negative self-talk then all you're hearing is yourself berate yourself in your head and Most often, it's not even your own voice. It's the voice of your parents, primary caregiver, a teacher, a preacher, society, social media. It's something else infiltrating your brain. You have to acknowledge that there's going to be resistance and find ways to overcome it. There is no magic pill to this. We are talking about a complete restructuring that means going on hikes, even though you've barely ever walked to the mailbox, then it's about time you start walking to the mailbox. If you don't normally walk a thousand steps, then start adding a hundred every day. And you know, over the course of a hundred days, you would be at 10,000. you literally start at a hundred in each day at a hundred. And by the end of a hundred days, you would be at 10,000 steps. Like you can... Get your body moving. And that was one of the key things that I realized that in my 30s, working out and eating healthy, when I was able to stick with that for a prolonged period of time, I would almost get myself right. Almost get myself right. But of course, I was more of a dry, sober person, right? I wasn't really attending classes. I wasn't reading anything. I wasn't trying anything. I just was cold turkeying it, seeing how long I could go. And inevitably, the whiplash back, was hardcore like fucking hardcore, so we want to be evaluating those personal priorities and values, recognizing your growth, recognizing opportunities to improve yourself, being willing to invite new perspective and ideas in Chabl- ch- i can i cannot stress enough that challenging your established routines and habits you have to be willing to do this literally there are people. In my sphere of influence who are going through their own version of lapse and whatnot. And a few of them I'll notice will be very much a pushback against the new ideas and really questioning their habits and their routines. And it's like, well, can I just keep this one thing? Or can I keep just that one thing? Or I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. I know, I know, I know. Clearly you don't know. Clearly you don't. Because... (laughs) you would notice what everybody else around you is noticing is that you keep bashing your head into a brick wall and the only thing that's hurting is your skull and the people around you getting splashed on by the aftermath of your head going into the brick wall. Stop doing it. Be willing to take on new things. Be willing to challenge everything that you've ever thought about yourself. If you are willing to embrace the change as a positive force and you encourage self-reflection and introspection and self-awareness and you're willing to journal or you're willing to get on a microphone on your phone and record yourself talking or, hell, launch your own social media platform around this, whatever it might be, I want you to acknowledge when you feel the resistance and then seek ways to overcome it. Because if you're just trying to do the same things you've always done, going into the same stores to buy uh, a beverage instead of buying the thing that you used to use, like stop going into that store. (laughs) There's other stores. There's other ways. There's other things. Every area of your life has to be up for debate. Everything is going to change. What everything means to you is specific to you, but it is extremely important that you are willing to pay attention to all of the little habits and routines that you have built up around getting you to the point where you're able to use and be willing to start breaking those. You have thousands upon thousands of tiny little micro habits that lead you to the pipe, that lead you to the bottle, that lead you to the straw, that lead you to the needle. I'm telling you, every single one of those, if left unguarded, can come back at you when you least expect it. And that leads us to number two. Don't worry yourself about things outside of your control. Do not worry yourself about things outside your control. I have heard this quote or I came up with it. I have no idea, but it's something that I've been repeating to myself for quite some time. If I cannot affect it or direct it, then I accept it. I want you to write it down. If I cannot affect it or direct it, then I accept it. If I cannot affect it, or direct it, then I accept it. There are going to be so many triggers. So many triggers. It's like those little uh, field uh, landmines from back in the day, right? I mean, there's still, I've read stories about this. There's still like, according to Vietnam officials, thousands of those things in their jungles. Thousands and they still have people getting injured by these things. And you as well have these landmines in your life. And they're going to shoot off. and You're going to not even see it coming. And then boom, all of a sudden, your entire mood, everything that was going positive is going to shift. Can you affect it or direct it? Then it's time to accept it. I watch people get themselves up in arms, about shit said on social media or crap said on the news or what this politician did here or what this social media person said there or what this celebrity or this musician or what this person or that person, all this other stuff. All blah, 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 blah. Look, I have a theory about politics. Once every two to four years, I guess it's every two years because that's when the midterms are done. That's it. That's my chance to have my voice heard. From then on out, the votes that I made are what they do. We can go and we can stand in the streets with signs and we can make some fuss and some noise, but can't drag them out of office. So I'm not going to sit here and watch the news and allow my day or week or my month to be pissed away being angry at somebody who does not even know my name isn't taking phone calls from me. Hey, dipshit politician, stop doing dumb stuff. You're really screwing up everybody's life. Okay, Jesse, thanks for the phone call. I'll make sure I do that right away. That's not how it's playing out. (laughs) If I cannot affect it or direct it, then I accept it. So what is don't worry yourself about things outside of your control? You have to identify what's within your influence. For me, when I got sober, I mean, it was literally like, I put up, it was like stormship troopers. Well, no, they suck and they have horrible aim, but it was like, okay, like the little circular robot thing that was firing lasers at Luke Skywalker and would get a few past here and there. Like I had those all around me. Like I I put up a force field. I wasn't watching news. I wasn't watching triggering events. I turned off of social media. I mean, it was like, no, nothing is allowed to infiltrate until I have myself grounded. I am not allowing all this other crap to get in the way of what I'm trying to do. I went to work. Any negativity fed to me there was immediately expunged. I went to the gym. I went to Kaiser. I came home. I ate healthy. I kept my house super clean, like toothbrush around faucets kind of clean. I rearranged my closet multiple times. I had my stand-up desk where I would do all my work. I got a hold of really awesome uplifting books, The Power of Now, uh, The Untethered Soul, uh, Mindset by Carol Dweck. I mean, anything by Brene Brown, I was just ravishing through. No, we are not bringing in negative influences. And when they did find their way to me, they were immediately expunged. No, I cannot affect it. I cannot direct it. And i don't even want to think about accepting it. Just go away. <laughs> Just, you are not allowed in my room. You are not allowed in my apartment. You are not allowed in my life. And I know for some of y'all, you're saying, but Jesse, I've got people who live with me. I've got kids. I've got a job. I've got all these external things. That's going to happen. But you have to be willing to just accept that there are things outside of your control. If you cannot completely block all the quote-unquote undesirable negative people from your life, then whenever they go off and they do their little pessimistic whatever nonsense in front of you, you just have to repeat the sentence. If I cannot affect it or direct it, then I accept it. And you cannot make other people change. They are going to want to screen. and they might even be holding crap against you. You've done for 20 years while you were drunk around them, and that sucks, and I'm sorry that's happening, and maybe you can make amends, and maybe they'll accept it, and even when they say they're going to accept it, it doesn't mean that they've actually forgotten it. It doesn't, definitely doesn't mean that they've necessarily really forgiven you. They might still do little passive-aggressive jabs, but you cannot affect or direct what it is that they're going to say. You can say all the positive things you want. And you're like, but I'm affecting it. I'm I'm trying to direct it. But you're not like some airplane flight traffic control person with the little, you know, orange wavy things, uh, batons. I don't know what the hell they're called. On the airplane tarmac and the plane's like, okie dokie, I will turn over here to gate 32 because that person waved me over there. That's not the way other fucking people work. (laughs) I wish it was. (laughs) It'd be great. But it's not. Focusing your energy on your actionable steps, on your self-care, recognizing the limits of what you can control. And honestly, the only thing I have found 100% within my control is my response or my reactions towards the world around me. Right? We've talked about this. Response is emotionally grounded. Reaction is emotionally triggered. I might still emotionally trigger it sometimes. Trust me. Get into, you know, a little bickering match with somebody in my family. Yes. Sometimes the voice gets a little loud. Face gets a little red. That's not my highest sense of self. I quickly do an after action report and say, what can we do the next time? At least for me. Some people think that yelling is the way you show love. That's not the way I roll. But what's within my control is Me, 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 me. I can control me. I can control the things that I think about. I can control the things that I spiral upon. I can come up with pattern interrupts to break myself out of negative spirals. I can pick up a really cool quote book next to my computer and read something uplifting and allow myself to daydream about that. Or, 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 I can think of something negative. Spiral, spiral, spiral. Screw it in deeper, deeper, deeper. Get angry. Get dejected. Get. I want to embrace a proactive attitude. In my early sobriety, I quickly realized that nobody else around me was actively trying to make their life better in the way that I was. Again, this isn't like, my life is better than yours, and I am better than you because I'm doing this work. Fuck that. (laughs) The ego got me in this position. I wasn't going to allow the ego to try to help me through it. No, 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 no. no. But simply put, I was doing a ton of work. I was reading the self-help books. I was going to the meetings. I was the one putting in this work, this effort. Most of the people around me didn't even know I was sober. Hell, a majority of them didn't even know I had a problem. So I had to develop my own resiliency and my own adaptability, creating my own strategies for handling the uncertainty of sobriety and recovery. But I would rather step into the uncertainties of sobriety and recovery, then continue with the certainty of the uncertainties in my addiction. Something I've been saying a lot lately to uh, people out and about in all these places that I go is that nobody makes a change until the pain of continuing is way, way, way worse than the pain of changing. You will not change. Until the pain of staying the same is that much greater than the pain that you think will come from the change waking up in a shit tub covered in my own, you know, poop and piss and blood and vomit and dragging myself onto the bathroom floor, thinking I was having a heart attack, looking at myself in the mirror while I got the Grim Reaper laughing over my shoulder, sharpening up his little sickle, saying, hell yeah, I have been waiting for this day for a long time. And I'm like, if this isn't my rock bottom, I sure as hell don't want to know how deep this rabbit hole goes. Because this feels pretty jagged. This feels pretty rough. I'm good here. This, I will now decide this is the rock bottom. Yeah, I still had my car. I still had my job. I still had money in the bank. still had a life worth living. But this was it. I was done. And so then it was about realizing that everything was up for debate and then only concerning myself with things within my immediate control. We need to be seeking support. You have to seek support. If you're going to attempt to do this without going to any meetings, without getting any sober mentor, whether that be a sponsor or a recovery coach, or you know, within Dharma, they've got some people who will mentor you through through the four truths. If you think you're just going to ride or die on this all by yourself, the opposite of addiction is connection. Connection is what helps us stay sober, what helps us move us into a, a recovery. Isolation is what got us into this mess to begin with. If you feel socially awkward, then there are ways that you can uh, meet people via the internet. And maybe you can just sit there and text people. You can eventually get yourself comfortable enough. But you're going to have to, again, have every part of your life up for debate. Oh, but I'm introverted and it's really hard for me to meet new people. So I don't know about going to meetings. Okay, then what are you going to do? Self-isolate in your home? (laughs) In the same house that you were using all that time in? And still being around your spouse or your kids who don't have this issue? Or they do, and they don't want to change anything about it. If you cannot affect it or direct it, you accept it. You have to learn to let go of what you cannot change, cultivating acceptance and mindfulness of yourself. The whole world is going to seek to knock you off your path, and not even on purpose. Not even on purpose. Maybe you've already kicked the habit of the addiction of the alcohol or the drugs, but now you're trying to release some weight or you're trying to train to run a marathon or you're trying to talk more uh, lovingly and compassionately and empathetically with your family members. How might the world knock you off that? Well, hell, there's enough commercials for fast food on television to make anybody crave a freaking Big Mac or a double cheeseburger right? Your body alone is probably going to want to push back against a 26 mile race. But then as well, you might have your coworkers needing you to stay after work. You might have your family needing you to do this, that, or the other. There might be a lot of reasons. You might skip a training day, then you skip another and you skip another and you skip another. And now something you really wanted gets to what? Be second, third, 20th place. Keep putting yourself in second place. And that's exactly how the world is going to treat you. You want to speak in a lying, lie, lying, you want to stop lying and speak in a loving, compassionate, empathetic way to your family members, and then one of them comes home in a bad mood because the external world put them through a tizzy that day. And now they're t- firing off at you, not because of anything you've necessarily done, but just because they're also in a tizzy. They're also going through their own emotional reactions versus responses. And now all of a sudden you feel a little triggered, you want to fire back. The world will do a good enough job at knocking you off your path, inadvertently most of the time, not even like, let's see if we can sabotage Jesse's sobriety today. It's just the world being the world. You are the one who has to s- decide that none of that shit is as important as you being sober. Perhaps that should have been like 1A and then the everything in your life is up, has to change should have been 1B. Because sobriety has to be everything. It has to be your North Star. Like you're some sailor from the 1400s going across the Atlantic Ocean. And you're like, that's it, man. Just keep an eye on that star. Just don't, that star is what's the most important thing. Because you are on a sailing expedition into uncharted waters. The rest of the world thinks you're going to go off the edge. And you're like, no, no, I got this. But you have to see sobriety as your North Star. Everything gets run through that filter. Will this affect my sobriety? Because you're in the beginning stages. Six and a half years in, I don't have to be as trepidatious going into situations where I used to use, because I have built thousands of habits around making sure no matter where I go, I exit that situation sober. To the point where being sober at a bar, or being sober at a wedding, or being sober at a sporting event or a concert, it's just what I do. It's just who I am now. Again, this is not me not being humble about my addiction. Trust me, I'd much rather live a humble life than be humbled. But I also know that I've got the tools and the resources. I know when to say when. I know when to leave a party. I know when to say, hey, you guys are going to wait in line for the beer? Awesome. I'm going to go ahead and go back to my seat. Or I'm going to go fill up my water. Oh, I'm going to go, you know, walk around the uh, stadium for a little bit and just get some steps. Like I've got these things programmed in they're habits now, but when you first get into it, you don't have all those habits. So sobriety has to be the number one thing. Your spouse wants to go to your favorite watering hole because she loves the nachos or he loves the wings. But that place is where you used to get shit canned. Sorry, babe. I don't want to go there. I cannot go there right now. You can go take the kids if you want, take the dog. I don't know. Let's build a robot in the garage and take that. But I am not going to our favorite wing shack because that's where I used to, you know, fire down shots at Jägermeister, get on the bar and make a fool of myself. You have to begin to develop coping mechanisms for the stressors, for the anxiety, and everything has to be up for debate. If you cannot affect it or direct it, you accept it. You understand that you are you're looking at ways to foster your emotional intelligence. I've got so many episodes about that. I'm getting ready to retitle all of the episodes so that they're less clickbaity At the beginning of the show, I try to make them sound real fun and whimsical so people would click on them. And then I realize if they're here, they're here. I'd rather the title be Emotional Intelligence, how to make sure that you don't you know, self-sabotage. I'm going to make them super simple because I want people to be able to find this information as quickly as possible and not have some dumbass title be the barrier of entry. When we talk about emotional intelligence, it's that self-management. It's the self-awareness. It's the, social man, it's the relationship management and the social awareness. These are the four main keys. There's an emotional intelligence 2.0 book. Fantastic. I highly recommend that you get a hold of that and go through some of those. It's literally only like 30 pages of reading and then just a bunch of really cool things that you can do to foster a higher sense of emotional intelligence within yourself. Super fun. In fact, you can do these with other people around and they won't even necessarily know you're doing them. It'll just be your new way of behaving. I can encourage a balanced perspective. I like to say that I have strong opinions loosely held. I believe what I believe, but I don't believe it so tightly and so stridently. stridently, I'm not Sergeant Slaughter. Let's go with that, about what I believe in. I can have my beliefs. You can have your beliefs. And I don't have to scream at you so that you believe what I believe. I do get hyped up on this show, but you volunteered for this, so I feel like I might as well bring the heat. Today, speaking of like where I, strong opinions loosely held, today I was filling out an application to do some stuff for um, opiate prevention and education. And at the very bottom of it, it said pronouns. <laughs> And I see this popping up on a lot of things that come across my desk for me to fill out, to be involved in things. And I've decided that my answer is whatever makes the other person feel comfortable because I don't care. You call me Squiggly, call me Boner, call me Spicoli. If anybody caught those references, congratulations, you're a kid of the 80s. You call me freaking Alf. I don't care. I care about helping people. I care about meeting new people and having an interaction we both walk away feeling uplifted about. If the other person wants to negate and the other person wants to push back and the other person's looking to start a fight, then that's just a conversation I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know what? i got to go over there right now and stare at that wall. I just 86 myself from this situation, right? Especially if there's a lot of people there and they start getting all heated and they want to do an arguing, I just sort of back away. You know, it's like I'm Homer Simpson going into the bushes, you know, just sort of doing this back away, Irish goodbye, the whole thing, just back away, five, 10 paces, and then just turn around and just go, Jesse, where are you going? And I just wave, I, I just keep, I don't even break stride and I and I just wave behind, <laughs> like I'm out, man. I can't affect this or direct this. I. I'm, it's like, I just accept that y'all want to talk about this and I don't, I'm not going to get myself all riled up about this thing. It. It's imperative that you are stepping into this mindset. It's like the pronoun thing. It doesn't really bother me. If somebody wants to say whatever they want to say, and this is what they want me to call, fine, fine, fine. Great. Let's move past that because there's so many more layers to our lives that I would rather begin to investigate. And I know that's important to a lot of people. So great. Let's figure that out. And then let's, move past that and let's figure out why we're standing in front of each other, talking about addiction or talking about suffering or talking about why the business isn't working out or talking about why the relationship needs to change. Like, let's get to the nitty gritty because we are amazing creatures and we are so layered, like more than Shrek and his fucking onion or donkey and his damn cake. Like we are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of layers and little micro circumstances that have happened that have developed us. There are so many things that have created this version of us standing here right now and we are worthy like every other creature on this planet of life and of existing I don't say that we're worthy of happiness or we're worthy of abundance because those are things you got to work for. You got to work on that. But we are worthy to of existence. We are worthy of love. I will say that. And you even got to work on that. But it's like I inherently just love Freaking red pandas that I see on Instagram reels. I'll never meet that red panda. I'd like to, but I never will. That one woman on TikTok who screams and like takes her rake over, (laughs) over like carpet and her vacuum over leaves, like she makes me laugh. (laughs) And she says awesome, uplifting things in such a way that I swear I'd love to meet her. I don't know her, but she's awesome and love her, love her energy, love what she does. I believe every human. Just like every other creature every plant. Zeb, my plant I don't know if you remember him from, from Instagram. Poor Zeb is dying. Poor Zeb is down to four leaves. And I've done everything. Five leaves. Sorry, Zeb. It said four. A a bitch if I touched it right now, one of those would come off. Poor Zab. Left him in the window and got scorched over three days without paying attention. And it's taken some while. But yep, no leaves are growing. All right? But even my little Zab is worthy of love. And I'm brokenhearted that I killed little Zab. And I also killed my bumblebee plant, kept those damn things alive for, well, Zeb for almost a year and bumblebee for four years. No idea why. Just died on me out of nowhere. I might want to blame banana water, but I still can't figure it out. But even the plants are worthy of love. We're all worthy of love. Everything else you got to work on. It doesn't mean you're not worthy. It doesn't mean they can't be attained. But it takes effort. And it's going to take time. And that's number three. This is going to take time, y'all. right? Instant gratification got you into this shit. Seriously. We felt some pain when we were a kid. We went for the Oreo. And we got older and we started going for the chips and we started making ourselves food. And the next thing you know, we had a car or we had a way of getting out of the house with a little bit of cash in our pocket. And next thing you know, we were at the fast food place or we were at the arcade or we were buying a bag on the side of the corner to try to push our feelings away. Instant gratification, lack of impulse control is what got us into this. This idea that, hey, I've got 22 days or I've got 47 days or I got 74 days. This is what is going to drag you back. I talked to a person... I hadn't talked to this person for, I can't even tell you how long. And he had hit me up a few months ago and things weren't going so great. And now things are going better. And he asked if I remembered him. And I, he even said that he heard me shout him out on episode 95. And he was one of the very first people who hit me up on social media through my, from sobriety to recovery, in, um, Instagram or Facebook, not important, but what's important is that we had some really cool conversations via Instagram messenger or Facebook messenger. And, you know, falling on some hard times, came, you know, got back on the wagon, fell on, some hard times up and down, right? Up and down. That's, that's life. That's the ebb and flows. But we got to talking tonight. He hit me up and we had a chance to conversate before I shot the show. So shout out to you, brother, because I know you're listening to this one. And one of the things that came up was that relapse starts well before the next high or the next drink or the next use. And one of the reasons this happens is that we start to expect that shit is just going to change super fast. Well, I've been sober now for four months. Everything should be great. Life should be perfect. Well, one, it's not sobriety that sucks. It's just life sometimes. And two, you cannot just delete and magically fix 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years of heartache and pain and suffering and addiction in four months. I'm six and a half years into this and I'm still doing shadow work. I'm still battling through things. And I anticipate that if I'm constantly searching for something in the darkness, that I will find something else to heal. I will find something else to up-level. And I look forward to that. And each time I pull something out and I clean it up and I shine a light on it and I you know heal that little version of me from five years old or 15 years old or f- 44 years old, then that's just... Then I put it up on the shelf. You are now healed as much as I am able to heal you now. And maybe I'll learn something new in two years and come back to that. Or maybe I've just created space for the next shadow to arrive. But either way, the process of growing and shifting and changing is, to me, I hope it's never ending. I hesitate to use a word like I know positively for a fact it's never ending. But I think it can end as soon as our awareness starts to no longer look in the shadows. This is going to take time. I want you to understand that the pitfalls of immediate rewards is what got you into this to begin with. Developing patience and a long-term vision, recognizing the values of that day-to-day work, and balancing your needs versus your wants. So I'm doing this thing right now where, and I did this back then, but I'm going to use the, I mean, literally I was 233 pounds on the day that I decided to get sober and took about a year and a half to get down to 173. So I lost 60 pounds and I had a seven month relationship in there where I sort of stalled out because I was enjoying the relationship. And so focusing on releasing weight was no longer my main priority. But as soon as that relationship ended, there went the next 15 pounds and that was it. I was down and I'm doing it now. Last October, I decided I was going to put on some muscle. And in order to do that, I was going to put on some weight. And um, I got a little out of control with the putting on the weight. And I did not stick with the working out as much in the last two months, basically stopped working out. I think I talked about that in previous episodes. And so I ballooned up another 10, 15 pounds or so without actually putting on any muscle. In fact, I probably lost muscle. So here we go again, shedding down the weight. And now I was at, was at 199, and now I'm at around 179. So I'm only 10 pounds away from the 169, which was my goal. And I have to have this vision of what this long-term process and in this, in this, in this work is leading me toward. And I see myself being able to fit in all my old favorite jeans and T-shirts again and not having this little you know muffin top thing happening around my belly button. I see this happening. It's what allows me to go to some of these networking things. Like I was at, um, okay, it wasn't a networking thing, but I was at uh, His Way graduation on Sunday watching like 10 guys that I helped coach and mentor back when I was interning there graduate the nine-month program. And there was cake and there was ice cream. But it was a fasting day. I was literally on like, it was, it was run right around seven o'clock when this happened. So I would have been 19 hours into my fast. And I wasn't going to eat until I got right around that 40 to 44 hour mark. It's something that I've, I have learned how to do through intermittent fasting when the body plateaus at a certain weight. Anyway, it's not important. I could do a whole episode on that. But I was not going to eat a piece of cake or eat some ice cream, even though it was sitting right there and it looked delicious because I had a vision. I had made a decision. That by the time October 3rd rolled around, I would be back down to the same weight I was last October 3rd. And then I would figure out a different way to achieve my goal. Because the first time I tried, it did not work out. And I've had to go through some emotions. And I've had to figure out how not to judge myself and be harsh on myself. And I'm like, here I am a whole year later. And I'm basically just look the exact same. But I learned so much. I tried new things, I saw some successes, I had some progression moments, right, because there is no failure, there's only feedback. That's what I want you to have. You might ebb and flow out of lapse and relapse, Then I want you to really sit down and ask yourself, what is the vision for yourself that you're seeking to achieve? Because it's going to take time. The Sistine Chapel took time. The Eiffel Tower took time. Everything worth building and creating that has ever existed on this planet has taken time. Hell, the wheel was a pretty simple freaking invention. It still took a long time for people to figure that out. What put a round thing underneath a thing that I want to roll, and all of a sudden it will roll? I... T- How did we not think of that? I am very curious as to how they finally figured out the whole wheel situation. Did somebody finally like roll like a round piece of wood down a hill? And they were like, huh, I wonder if that would be an easier way to transport this box we've been carrying for the last 4,000 years. Because this thing is heavy. (laughs) I mean, as awesome as the wheel was to invent, I really think the invention of the axle was equally important. Because a wheel without an axle is just something that rolls. (laughs) I've seen tractor tires at at CrossFit gyms. There's no axle. There's not even a hole for an axle. It's just a wheel that rolls. (laughs) You can flip it, but if people were just flipping a wheel, that wouldn't have been nearly as advantageous as learning how to roll. But once it rolled, it had to have an axle. A wheelbarrow without an axle doesn't hold the wheel just like your life without certain other things brought in won't change the big thing that you're looking to change. The box is extremely heavy. So you come up with a way to make the box lighter. But if you don't come up with an equally important invention like the axle, then where's your sobriety and recovery going to go? Oh, I'm going to get healthier, so I'm going to start going to the gym. Great. You've invented your wheel. But have you formulated a program or Are you just walking around aimlessly, picking up some things once in a while and being like, oh, well, I mean, I, I was at the gym for an hour. How many reps? How much sweat? How much are you hurt the next day? Hey, you know, I want to shift my emotional intelligence, so I got the emotional intelligence book. Great. But have you actually done any of the things inside of it? Sleeping with it underneath your pillow didn't work for AP chemistry in high school or whatever class you struggled with, it sure as hell isn't going to work with a new book now. It's just not. You can get the book, which would be the wheel in this analogy, but it still needs effort. It needs something to propel it forward. That's the axle. That's your energy, right? That's the force. Here's the thing. You know, And I recently heard uh, somebody talk about this, and it was not about this topic at all, but maybe you'll catch my drift whenever I say it, that, that you need friction in order to create the warmth. You need the friction in order to create the enjoyment. And this is what I mean by that. If everything is simply easy and just no problem and a walk in the freaking park, then where's the effort? Where's the friction? Everything important that has happened in your life has has come from friction with something else. Now, it may have been important and gone totally sideways and been considered negative, but it was still important. Good, bad, right, wrong, indifferent, or different, it was still important. Whether that led you to a happy place or a sad place, it was still important and there was friction involved. If you go off and you get a new book, or you learn something new and you don't take action on it. You've invented the wheel, but not the axle. Have you sat down and written out your value tree? Have you figured out what's important to you? Have you, have you located the I am statements that you use to talk shit to yourself and started to figure out ways to make those more positive? A lot of us, when we first get into sobriety and recovery, think we're pieces of crap, think that we're worthless. I don't expect you to go from I am worthless to I am amazing. That'd be like jumping over the Grand Canyon on a bicycle with one wheel. But you can start to work yourself to the I'm amazing from I'm worthless or I'm, uh, I'm lovable from I'm unlovable. There are little steps you can take. What are those values? What are those words in between there? Sometimes it's just, I'm Okay or I'm a human. I have worth. Well, where do you have worth? Well, I go to work and I stock the vegetables, or I help manage the team, or I gave some good advice yesterday. Great. That is a sign that you're doing something positive. But are you self-aware enough to notice it? Inventing the wheel and not being wise enough to bring the axle along with it is not going to behoove you at all. Where is the benefit? I want you to begin to emphasize healthy decision-making when we start thinking about moving forward, that it's going to take time. Encouraging discipline and commitment and fostering a growth mindset. I wrote a book about those principles. College Success Habits, Seven Powerful Principles to Help You Excel in, in College and Beyond. Growth Mindset. Let's see. Let's see if I can rattle them off off the top of my head. Nope, um, it's cultivate courage. So, develop a growth mindset, cultivate courage, be decisive, take action, embrace discipline, exercise flexibility, embody tenaciousness. Those were the seven principles. I could have written it about sobriety and recovery, but at the time, I was pushing myself out there as a college circuit speaker, and I didn't really feel like I had enough sobriety in me at year two to start writing books about it. Really wish I hadn't thought that way. I think I'd be on book number four by now, but I'm still sort of battling with the whole idea of book one and wanting to make it like, oh, oh, oh like the naked mind kind of awesome. Right. But it's like, it is whatever it is. Maybe, the, maybe the fourth book is the book that's amazing, but I will never get to the fourth book if I don't even at least get through the first book. Right. But it's like, I talked and depth about discipline and commitment and growth mindset in that book. You could go buy that book and just replace all the college stuff with addiction and it would absolutely work. And if you if you know somebody in middle school, high school, or college who's struggling, go get them that book because it's basically this show in written form. Mindfulness around impulse control, being emotionally grounded, noticing when you get emotionally triggered. These are the things that are going to happen, that are going to try to snap you back to the way you used to be. Because we get it in our heads, because we can pick up a phone, get a Wendy's Frosty delivered to us by some dude in a car, and we don't have to leave our house. We are a society built upon instant gratification. You have to be mindful of being emotionally grounded. What can you do? Is it breathing? Is it doing some push-ups? Is it walking around the block? All of these things are important. And all of these things, whether I was told them or I figured them out right out the gate, were extremely important in my early days of sobriety. I have been told by listeners that they have literally found me on like day four and will listen to me every single morning. I've got enough content. That must have taken them a long time to catch up. But you could do that as well. You could meditate. You could do a lot of things. But you need to figure out what that means to you. Number one, everything is going to have to change. Okay, let's... 1A. Sobriety is everything. Nothing is more important than sobriety. If you have to say no to going to your kid's softball game, because that's where you and the other dads used to hide in the bleachers and do freaking gravity bongs and beer bongs, then you just don't get to go to the game for a little while. Sobriety is number one. That's 1A. 1B. Everything is going to change. Every area of your life has to be up for debate. If you push back against that, you are going to leave something in the shadows that is going to come back and bite you in the ass. Don't worry yourself about things outside of your control. If you cannot affect it or direct it, then accept it. And sometimes accepting it means walking the hell away, scrolling past it. Are you seriously getting in arguments with people underneath a YouTube video in the comments? Like, really? That's what you're spending your time on? When you're in early sobriety, your TikTok algorithm should be pouring nothing but positivity your way. Speaking of TikTok, you should go over and find at Jesse Mogul. I would love to be one of those people pouring positivity your way. Your algorithm needs to be feeding you positivity. Absolutely. If you cannot affect it or direct it, you accept it. And number three, this is going to take time. When I hear people say, you know, I've been sober this long, or I've been trying to do this thing this long. Why isn't it better? It's in that confusion. It's in that frustration. It's in that overwhelm that you begin to finally have the breakthrough. If you are not creating friction and you are just gliding through, then you aren't actually changing that much of anything. If everything seems super easy, then make it harder. And I don't mean like on purposely make your sobriety recovery harder. But if you're leaving stones unturned, that's where the scorpions are hiding. If you're pushing things away that you know you need to shine a light on, make sure you're grounded, get yourself in a comfortable spot, You know, know what level of trauma you're going to, get a therapist, get a psychiatrist, get somebody who's trained in this kind of stuff and get them to help you. Find me, callcoachjesse.com. I have openings. You can find them. I've got five years of helping people through this stuff, but I am just one of thousands upon thousands of people that can help you. Obviously, if you're at episode 222, which isn't this pretty dope. I didn't even bring that up, the 222 marker, but it's like, here we go. And maybe that's why I went off on this rambling tangent for the last hour, but it's like, this is going to take time. And if you can't affect it or direct it, then you need to accept it because everything about your life needs to be up for debate because sobriety is the most important thing. For you long-term listeners out there who think, well, I've got that, but what about this, that, or the other? Then make that the most important thing and realize that everything is going to have to change in order to create that. Accept it, direct it, affect it, whatever that looks like for you. Move on that and realize, I started this journey with trying to put on muscle a year ago, October 3rd. I'm about ready to cycle through an entire year back in the same spot I am, but yet nowhere near where I used to be. The weight, the number on that scale, that stupid scale, how intangible that number actually is for the amount of effort and the amount of learning and the amount of growth that I've gone through. My emotional intelligence has increased. I'm reading uh, signs of of frustration and aggravation in in family members now in a way I never was. So I'm able to be more present for them and be able to communicate with them in a way that actually meets them where they're at. My ability to read books and be able to take in that information and be able to regurgitate it and share it with y'all is getting ready to be tested. I'm getting ready to start a master's degree in psychology. When, you know, most people are getting into the swan song of their career, I'm like, "Mm, I think I should make it even more difficult. (laughs) And I'm constantly looking at my values and my opinions and my beliefs and asking myself, am I holding on so tightly that I can't hear somebody else's opinion? Because that doesn't benefit anybody. I would at least like to hear what that person had to say. Just because I listen to them does not mean I condone what they say. But we can often find ourselves yelling back because we're afraid that what they're saying might wiggle its way into our brain. If you're that afraid that somebody might say something that wiggles in and infiltrates your skull and takes over your thoughts, then you may not be that self-assured about yourself to begin with. And I'd start there. Because if you think that you're that easily swayed because you listen to one person's five-minute counterpoint to your point, then there might be something more in-depth actually happening, and that's some good shadow stuff right there. That might need to be a whole episode. All right, my friends, if you are interested in knowing more about The Tribe, which is our Voxer chat where people just like you who listen to the show share what's going on in their life, we celebrate the highs. We support each other during the lows. It's just a bunch of ebb and flowing over there, but it's an amazing community. I purposely keep it small. So if you would like to be one of those people who has an opportunity to be involved in that, you can always jump over to jessiemogel.com slash me and fill out one of the forms. Uh, Of course, there's the online course. I'm getting ready to launch 77 Sunrises Sober which was going to be an offshoot of a program I was asked to develop by a national addiction recovery organization. Um, Through all of that has come this idea for 77 Sunrises Sober. Because I don't believe that it's important to go to get to a sunset sober because the night is when I would party the hardest. It's waking up sober. That's why I say that at the end of the show. If you'd like to know more about group coaching or one-on-one coaching or anything that I've got going on, you can always uh, go again, jessiemogel.com slash me fill out one of the forms. I will get that and I will uh, respond to you post haste. Of course, I am being at least trying to be very active on TikTok, go over there at Jesse Mogul on YouTube. I have launched a YouTube short video about NLP. And, uh, that's pretty much what the first 12 videos are about. I'm releasing one a week while I figure all that stuff out. So you can go over to YouTube um, at Jesse Mogul coaching, or just type in Jesse Mogul. Cause I'm the only one on the planet. It's not too hard to find me, which did not benefit me when I used to get arrested, but definitely benefits me now. Other than that, as always, if you want more support, whether it's me or somebody else out there, it's up to you to pick up the phone, to hit the click, to get in your car, get on the bus, get your feet, get yourself moving. There are literally hundreds of thousands of people out there ready to support you. It's up to you to reach out to them first. All right, my friends, that's it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives because we wake up sober. Shout out to sunshine. Glow on. See you next week. Bye-bye.